So let's talk about returns because that's what mm. really matters, right? Right, everyone. Are you making some money? Good returns. Yep, good returns. So you have plenty of money and money is all about freedom, right? Go do what you want to do, whatever it is. So it's easy to just look at the returns and say, okay, well, this is this is what I'm going to be end up making on this. But there are, you, you, you know, kind of going back to this due diligence issue is you got to look hard at all the other risk around the property, knowing the market, understanding what debt's available, thinking about, you know, how you're going to structure that debt. You know, you know the returns might be super, but you got to be thinking in terms of when you're going to sell this and making sure that tenant leases work with the, the debt that's in place and, and when that may mature. So point being here is don't just focus on the bottom line. Look at all the variables that are affecting your business plan for the asset. So just going for the biggest return could be a big mistake. Absolutely. No question at all. You're you better know the risk and looking at your whole business plan. Comprehensive view. Don't just go for the best the best figure off the top of your head. Just Absolutely. You need to take a broader picture and, and really understand, it sounds like, what would be a greater accomplishment for your portfolio as a whole. Right. It could be the deal that's providing you a 15% ROI, you know, or let's say a yield of you know 12%. Can't get that anywhere else. Is also the one that's got the most amount of risk because of um, something else that's that's affecting the, the balance sheet. Let's go to the next one. Oh, you're going to ask questions. I was going to say, any examples of people you've seen where they took what had the best return, but turned into a disaster. A disaster. Or a poor choice. Hmm. As I tell my son, don't make a poor choice. Don't make a poor choice. We see it all the day, right? We're talking to a large extent about greed. I'll say this, then we can go on to the next one, is Charlotte and the Carolinas are awash with capital. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of money out there. You know, A lot of it is chasing investment real estate or development opportunities. And if something's too good to be true, it just means that um, you know, people who are out there every day, like me, have passed on it. Looking at the bottom line, only the returns, and there's one that's an outlier. You probably haven't done your due diligence you know, enough. Back up to, that was number two, was it? That Do was number two. Diligence. There you go. Kind of keeps going back to that one. I think so. It's an important one. You could do a whole podcast just in due diligence. <laughs> the Due Diligence 360 podcast. Yes. It's a really good tool. It's a great tool. But I got to tell you, it's a lot of work. Mm. It's kind of a pain, mm. frankly. I used to enjoy doing it. Yeah. I had a great employee, Lee Rounds, who really loved the details. He was an architect. He had developed in the back, you know, in the past, and he really enjoyed doing these. And I really enjoyed writing the narrative, you know, taking the information in the ad and coming up with the narrative. Telling the story. Telling the story. It's all about a story. What's our next mistake? Next mistake is the tax man. Mm. Forgetting about the tax man or not paying enough attention to the tax planning. So the interesting thing about big time investors in real estate is they're typically not that focused on bricks and mortar. They may have gotten into the business because they loved a building. But very quickly, they started to realize that how they finance that property and what kind of terms that they negotiate with their partners is really 
the art of the deal. And you see that more and more. And, and then secondly to that, after that all comes together, is the tax consequences. You know, we all know that real estate gets favorable tax treatment for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, we probably have all heard of 1031 exchanges where you can basically take a low basis property, you know, where you didn't pay a whole lot, but are selling it for a whole lot and be able to take that basis and move it into another asset and not pay on the capital gains. That's critical to successful real estate tax planning and bring in your your accountant early and plan accordingly. The other little interesting twist to this is these days, because we've had 10 years of increasing values in real estate, you know, the county is going through its reevaluation. And the people who appeal taxes for a living are very, very busy right now. And very few commercial properties that are well-managed probably aren't going to be attempted to be appealed. You know, the, the city and county tax assessors are going to be really busy. So if someone's interested in a list of names of people who are really good at doing this, both nationally or regionally, you know, send me an email at jculbertson at cardinal-partners.com. And I'll be happy to introduce you to uh, some of my friends and maybe even try to direct you to one that would be best for your particular situation. But tax planning, it's critical. And a lot of high net worth investors get caught up in the excitement of putting the money to work in bricks and mortar and don't really focus on the, the tax components, the, the effect of the taxes. For some, that might not be the most fun aspect. No, the, no. The real estate deal, but important. Well, their, their, their accountants will find it fun. That's true. Right? Yeah. And this one I'll call just not being on the pulse of the market, of the local market. It's easy to have a vision for a property that just doesn't sync with what's going on locally or getting out of the tip of your skis. Now, I've worked with a number of developers and investors who are new to Charlotte. They come in and they'll hire us and they have an idea or a vision. They've seen some other part of the country that sort of at first makes you scratch your head. And then when they pull it off, they are considered to be pioneers or being brilliant. But all they're really doing is bringing a new idea into the market. As an example... Tanger, when they came into town, they engaged me to find them property. I really felt strongly that they should go somewhere different than where they ended up going. They were convinced that where they ended up going was the right location. Now that it's built and it's been hugely successful, I understand why they made their decision. And it makes a whole lot of sense. Another example, you know, when, when Publix came into town, they had some ideas about where they wanted me to find sites. And at first, the idea of being as close to a Harris Teeter as possible just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, and my thought was, was, well, yeah, you know, you would want to find a better location than where Harris Teeter is. But they were right. They, of course, they knew what they were doing. Another example would be someone coming in to, say, South North Davidson with a food court. White Point did this concept of a food court and office space, I thought they were nuts. 
And, you know, they were in between rail stops at the time. The light rail hadn't even been completely funded. And they've knocked the cover off the ball. They've leased over 30,000 square feet to Duke Energy. The food court is getting really high rents. It's a great project. Proves me wrong. So that's an example where someone really knew their business extremely well and showed the market up. So if you're that confident as a high net worth investor, then you know, move forward. But if you're not, be real careful about not having a grasp of the local market and doing your due diligence or maybe not having a consultant that you're listening to before you move forward. I mean, everyone has perceptions of places. What have you found when people look at Charlotte or the Carolinas? Are there assumptions that people make that when you really get down to the ground level of that market that they aren't true? You know what? Sure. What do people come in thinking that you have to show them isn't necessarily correct? Yeah, I say generally speaking, people would come into this market looking for a real estate deal and be surprised at how small of a market it, it truly is. And I think you're going to get that impression if you go to Nashville, if you go to Austin, especially Austin, Tampa, a lot of Southern markets that are really hot and people have been reading about and hearing about for a long time. They come into those markets and they say, gee whiz, this is, this is a lot smaller of a market than I thought it was. Another thing, too, you hear this in Charlotte in particular, is the quality of the investors, the brokers, and the developers here in, in town. There are a number of reasons, but we have very high-quality developers and brokers and investors here, very smart. You'll see them, and you'll see them being very active around the country. You know, you'll, you'll see a developer come into town and, and look for a site and come up with some ideas and you and they'll quickly figure out that um, the competition that's here is, is fierce and they're, they're quite adept. You'll see carpetbaggers coming out in New York, especially that way. You know, I, I'd say maybe the third thing that is on the ground is different than what an investor or a developer coming into this market is that I think it's the it's conventional wisdom that we're sort of a, a bank town. And they look uptown and they see all these tall buildings and all these bankers and they think, well, what happens if the banks fail? And before the downturn, you know, you just laugh. It's a bank's failing. I mean, that's insane. That's never going to happen. But what the downturn actually showed in Charlotte was that we're far more diverse than what people thought we were. You know, downturn hit, the banks failed, and we have more bank jobs, more finance jobs now, you know, roughly eight, nine years later than we did before the downturn. And sure, we lost a headquarters or two, but, you know, there are more finance jobs here. And we're, and I think everyone would say our, our economy is very diverse. And so during the downturn, we didn't get hurt as bad. And people started to see that there's far more happening in Charlotte than just what's apparent with by looking at the towers uptown. But Charlotte is still struggling with that image problem of just being focused on banks and I know, banks only, weird? huh? It yeah, is. Banks, banks and, yeah, it's, it's, it's this weird mix of banks and NASCAR, huh. you know? <laughs> Tall towers and big mansions. No, no. Where they, people really, people want a true barometer of what's happening in Charlotte. Look at the airport. Hmm. Charlotte goes in the direction that airport goes. American pulls out of that airport. We're going to be hammered and we'll lose every headquarters probably within a hundred mile radius of Charlotte. And it won't only affect our economy, it will dramatically impact the upstate region of South Carolina. Well, we're going to knock on some wood here. 
mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen. Absolutely. And move on to our next mistake. Things that uh, this would be a mistake that I would make just because do. I can't stand it. <laughs> people will often say, "Well, what do you do in commercial real estate?" And I'll say, "Just about anything other than property management." I respect property managers greatly because I would be horrible at it and I would really not enjoy it whatsoever. And it's where the rubber hits the road. If you don't have good property management, you don't have returns. You're wasting money and your tenants and your partners are going to be very unhappy. So knowing the right questions to ask when you're hiring a property manager, things such as trying to get a feel just for how responsive they are, how proactive they are, how organized they are, how experienced they are. Are they doing a good job with dealing with maintenance, late rents, emergencies, and then budget? You know, budget's all about cash flow. You know, how well they're doing that. Property management is critical. These are the people who you got to have in order to be successful. It's easy to overlook that or not do your due diligence when hiring a good property manager. And this brings us to our final mistake yeah, or something to avoid or something to avoid or just to expect, which is, you know, look, I mean, you're getting a a return, you know, better than market return by going into commercial real estate. But there is so complex and there's so many variables, you're going to have surprises. And it just requires a lot of grit to be successful in this industry. And if one or two surprises along the way towards a closing is going to derail your day, probably not the right asset for you. Be as prepared as you possibly can. Get ready for some obstacles and keep your wits about you. You know, you get lucky, you can make a whole bunch of money. Great advice, John. I wish I could say you heard it here first, but you didn't. (laughs) But good. I've really enjoyed this, Carrie. That's been fun. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. 